2: Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, getting you ready for the Super Bowl, if you out there Want to get into a draw? For 20 DraftKings dollars, here's what you do. Smash the like button for the episode. You leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section and tell me the one thing, fantasy or gambling related, that you would like to see integrated into the broadcast for the NFL or any other particular sport. Don't do golf because I've been over the golf stuff millions of times. Football, basketball, baseball. What is the one thing you would like to integrate into the broadcast that would make the viewing experience better for you because that's what we're talking about today on the show. Also, if you want to get into a draw for 100 DraftKings dollars, what you do is subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, five-star review, DraftKings handle, and something you like about this show, boom, winners announced on Monday's show with Jeff Feinberg. Joining me on the line to talk this through, because I saw him putting this out there into the ether. It is current fantasy-free agent, formerly of YahooSports.com, or Yahoo. I always say it wrong because I'm Canadian. Either way, Brad Evans, what's up?
3: Amigo, uh, I'm looking forward to wearing a mankini on South Beach and bronzing my body. And Lord knows I will probably look like a tomato after about two days. I'm very pale uh, this time of year in January. The sun, I don't see it that often here in a middle portion of the country. But I'm looking forward to getting some vitamin D in my system soon
2: there in Miami. Do Do you go to the tanning beds before you go to give yourself the base?
3: Yes. And you know, I'll get like a little palm tree or you know, some sort of imagery, you know, that those objects you can place on your body while you're tanning, and then it leaves that like white mark that's then imprinted on your chest. I'm gonna have that all over myself. Uh I- I'm telling you, when this shirt comes off, it's going to just glisten with glorious pecs, with glorious imagery, with just just glorious. It's gonna be
2: amazing. Well, I mean, if you didn't go to the tanning beds beforehand and you did take your shirt off the beach, you would just if people weren't wearing sunglasses, it would blind them. <laughs> that's an accurate statement. Very accurate. And you got to get the head stuff on the go, too. I mean, I i don't know about that yet, but that's got to be like a hassle. It is. Uh, I mean, that's
3: one area of your body. You know, when, when you start losing it, you get out there and, you know, the sun angle is a little bit higher. You know, the sun's beating down on you. Kind of forget about it. If you do not put proper protection on here it gets roasty toasty within like minutes so yes i will be coating my dome uh with sunscreen probably like a spf 50 60 maybe even 100 to make sure the dome is well
2: protected yeah you don't want to be flaking on the head halfway through the super bowl that'd be no good one thing Uh, no bueno one thing about the super bowl though is like for years we always talk about you know you can bet on the coin toss you can bet on this here are all the weird commercial props outside of the game The betting industry as it pertains to the Super Bowl, and we always hear the numbers, like, oh, like $3 billion will be bet on the Super Bowl this year. Yet, until this year, I guess last year, maybe. I forget when it came in. But, like, gambling wasn't legalized in basically any state besides Nevada. Now there are far more that you can do. So when are we going to start getting this as a part of, because what you've been saying, like, as a part of the broadcast. And is the number, like, were people betting on this stuff illegally were people going to Vegas to bet on this? And will that number like quadruple now that it's actually legal? Well, let me
3: answer the last part first. Uh, Look, people are going to be betting on the Super Bowl no matter what. Uh, People still have bookies that they probably meet a random Waffle House and, you know, outside of Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, to exchange dollars in certain instances. Uh, People bet offshore and there's a plethora of options there where they can wager their cash. But as legalization continues to expand state by state uh, in the U.S., You're going to see more and more people flocking to their local brick and border sports books, or just picking up their mobile device. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. I live in Colorado and uh, you know, we're going to be launching here May 1st with mobile and there's going to be numerous uh, opportunities and applications you can download and place those wagers instantaneously in the palm of your hand. So it's going to be convenience wagering, uh, but people do flock. I, I don't know necessarily that, You know, the Super Bowl is not nearly the pinnacle of sports betting in Vegas or in Jersey every single year. Uh, March Madness greatly exceeds it because, let's be honest, there's just more games to wager on. And if you've never experienced Las Vegas the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, make sure you put it on your bucket list because it is wild, it is wacky, it is a throng of humanity. And uh, people just, you know, the sways of emotion on a game between a 16-1 and seed and the spread's like 29 and the favorite is, you know, up one by the spread. They're covering with 30 points with like a minute to go. And he got a bunch of scrubs in the game. And there's so many oohs and ahs and no's and guesses. It's, it's wonderful. It really is. Uh, so you definitely want to experience that. But I think, you know, more and more mainstream television in 2020, in this new year, are going to start embracing sports betting or to see some small infusions maybe on terrestrial TV that leans more toward gambling and feeding that audience. And really the people that established that foundation and paved the path are fantasy players, because let's be real fantasy in and of itself is a form of gambling.
2: Well, I'm how dare you. That was not the case four years ago, Brad.
3: Well, we had we had a tiptoe right for legislative reasons. It's a skill game, which it is. But sports betting, in of itself, is a skill game. Poker's a skill game, right? And it's classified differently. So I'm as happy that gray area is starting to wash away, and you're seeing the overlap with the Ipsos research of the FSGA, uh, you know, of the current fantasy player base. 70% have said, hey, I've already made a wager on a sporting event or I plan to make a wager on a sporting event within the calendar year. So you're going to see a lot of that hybrid content as a result of this burgeoning industry and a lot of the taboo feelings starting to fall to the wayside.
2: I'm always a bit dubious of some of those surveys because let's say we, if you say 70% who have played fantasy will also make a wager. Does that mean if I've entered a work March Madness pool, is that considered gambling?
3: If there's money behind it, yeah.
2: So, it is. I mean, that's not the same
3: thing. Not entirely. Uh, I mean, it, I guess it has to have a certain qualification. So if, it's a single action event. So if you're going to bet on the Super Bowl, for example, you're going to put 20 bucks on it. That's a single action event. If you're going to wager on a player prop in an NBA game an NHL game, whatever the sport is, that's a single action event. So, uh, you know, we'd have to see what the exact uh, wording is that people have said yes or no to in regards to that research. But I think it's anything placing money behind, whether it's a pool or whether it's one of those single action events that qualifies as a sports bet.
2: Yeah. I would think that something like a March madness pool or a master's pool, whatever it is, like something that's very easy to do. It has four boxes or it has a bracket and you write something in, you throw in 10 bucks and the winner gets paid I don't know, 90% of the pot. Second place gets whatever, depending on how the uh, you know Linda from accounting ends up winning and people are like, Oh fuck. How did this end up happening? But <laughs> either way, Get ready to enter the ring. DraftKings and Showtime Boxing have partnered to bring you closer to the action than ever before. Introducing the Showtime Boxing Pick'em Game. For every 2019 Showdown Boxing event, you can come out swinging. Each fight card is the opportunity to duke it out for your share of $5,000 and a Showtime Boxing swag bag. Head to www.draftkings.com to play against this Saturday's main event, featuring Danny Swift Garcia versus Ivan El Terrible Redcatch in a 12-round welterweight title eliminator. If you play in one of those, I wouldn't consider that someone who's gambled on sports before, because what I would be looking for as potential customers are people that have placed a single game wager like you talked about. But I do think that anyone, generally speaking, who's played in one of these pools, if coaxed the right way or made it available, like you've talked about. And like I, in Canada at this point, like I have five separate apps on my phone for gambling and I've had them for years. Yes. Like this is what's going to happen once it becomes more ingrained into a little bit of time passes. It's not going to take 10 years. Like once it's legal in Colorado, I would say within 18 months, anyone who will have wanted to ever have made a bet on sports or whatever, I mean, you can bet on, I guess it would be nice because the 2020 elections coming up. Everyone who wants to bet on or against Trump can go do that through their app as well. There's odds on everything. The Oscars, you can bet on all of it. So I think that there's enough out there that you can bet on through these apps that if you play in a fantasy league or play in a pool for very low stakes, whatever you could be coaxed with the right thing that came around that you would want to bet on. So I think that all those people are in the potential pool of customers.
3: Yeah, and exactly. And that's what a lot of these companies, FanDuel, DraftKings, uh, you know, various other entities, uh, BetMGM, William Hill, all of these, uh, you know, points bet, all of these corporations that are in the sports betting business, what they are trying to appeal to the code, the code that they're trying to crack is how do we lure the casual player um you know the the hardcore guys uh the guys that you know wear cheap suits and sit in a back room that's built a smoke in vegas they're going to be wagering no matter what they're you know true blue D-Gens. but i think honestly a lot of these corporations what they want to do is they want to appeal to the fantasy player they want to bring them in and say look there's nothing intimidating about this it's very black and white it's highly quantifiable Uh, And you're already thinking that way with your fantasy team. So how can we bring them in so they can place a wager and and the great conduit uh, and ambassador between the two sides are player props. And I think they are really going to take off uh, almost at an exponential rate um, over the next, uh, you know, one to three years. So again, once the barriers fall state by state and, you know, sports betting becomes legal, what people are going to be wagering on that play fantasy are, player props because they feel that they have an advantage in that space because
2: of their line of thinking through fantasy. And it works twofold with player props, too. It's actually a good market for new players to get into because most <laughs> player props are capped. Like, you can't bet thousands and thousands of dollars yep. on player props. So the because the the outside thing with all of this is, and, like, even at the end of my show, you're going to see a little thing pop up on the bottom of the screen to dial 1-800-GAMBLER if you think that you have a gambling problem. And a good way to do this is to maybe suck people in with the lower-stakes stuff that you can't end up going broke on or be very difficult to do because you're having, like, 50-50-type wagers and there's a max bet that you can put in usually in a lot of places like unless you have special access it's like 50 bucks
3: it is uh i i've seen a lot of caps uh like the highest i've ever seen on a player prop is like 500 per wager so you're right it is like 50 dollars. it's about it and and that's the perfect gateway Right. For those fantasy players. And it is still it still appeals to to traditional sports betters as well. And and I think you're seeing this right now, too, with the DFS crowd. Uh, The the advantage that DFS players have has shrunk considerably from like 2015. I saw the ROI in like 2015 was over 20 percent. Uh, across, you know, traditional DFS outlets. And now it's just over 7%. Uh, The algorithms have gotten more sophisticated. The means of delivery have gotten more sophisticated. But I think what you're seeing is a lot of professional DFS players are starting to pivot away from DFS and they're going to player props because there are better values there. They're still using a similar strategy. Of number crunching to try to maximize some of those one-on-one player matchups and say, okay, this is an excellent value. I'm going to place the over on Lamar Jackson rush yards, and he's going to obliterate this total by 20 to 25, and I'm going to rake in the process. So it, it's, it's slowly evolving. It's slowly morphing into player props really growing in popularity. But until uh, a lot of these big sportsbook companies start marketing it appropriately – Uh, It's going to be more of a niche than the mainstream.
2: So as it pertains to actual coverage, because you keep saying mainstream, and I have a hard time thinking that anything like next year, just throw that out the window for NFL season. Uh, So let's say even in three years from now that we're still at a point where realistically the only like major network that is putting out like a, Sunday morning type show. I do a Sunday morning show on YouTube in the DraftKings app. Uh, When you were at Yahoo, you guys were doing a Sunday morning show. Each specific spot that houses fantasy football does a fantasy football show. But the only one that's really broken through to be given that, like, slot is Matthew Barry's show, uh, the fantasy show on like with Matt Hasselbeck on Sunday mornings, that runs counter to Sunday Countdown. And fantasy's been around in, like— been a real thing for like 15 years now and that's all that we got on actual tv i i this feels like whether it's the cbs all access app espn plus it feels like this is where the gambling stuff is going to live and it won't live on terrestrial tv
3: i think temporarily that's going to be the case but look a lot of these executives are old hat right they're antiquated in their thinking um you know many are probably in their 60s maybe approaching 70 years old and they just are stubborn mules when it comes to sports betting and fantasy And you look at the landscape, there's just too much money to be made. Um, I mean, even if you just incorporate a single segment that is a fantasy betting hybrid and it's backed by DraftKings or FanDuel or whoever, and they put, I don't know, half a million dollars behind it, that's a step in the right direction. What I am really pounding the table for is to have a voice on the desk. You know, the problem with a lot of these primary shows, whether it's on CBS, NBC, main ESPN um, or Fox, it, it's just jock talk. And all they do is speaking cliches. Oh, we got to establish the run. I mean, I think there's enough space there to have different perspectives. And the great thing about the fantasy and betting audience, we're all about advanced analytics. We're all about trying to find that individual matchup to take advantage of to exploit for our personal gain. You could take that line of thinking, you could take that data that's out there and apply it to the NFL and at least have a different opinion, a variance in opinion, instead of uh, you know the classic of, well, they need to throw the ball more. I mean, it's just so boring. We don't need Rob Riggle doing comedy segments. I, I think there is a large enough audience, and the estimate right now of sports bettors and fantasy football players in Canada and the United States combined is around 100 million. Uh, I think it's even larger than that. I think that's a conservative estimate, and it's only going to grow. They need a voice at the desk to play to those perspectives and to challenge some of the conventionality that a lot of these jocks are just spewing randomly out of their mouths. So one of these days, an executive producer is going to have an epiphany and they're going to insert somebody in there that has the energy, that has a personality, that's more than just a numbers nerd uh, and can convey that message clearly and succinctly to a general audience. But I don't know when that's going to happen, hopefully sooner rather than later.
2: Well, I think you've kind of hit on it with that last statement. the the major analytics people, the people that are the best at that, have a very difficult time articulating it because I mean it's one people always ask me, it's just like, how how much do you play? How often do you play? How good would you say you are at this? And I'm like, well, my main focus goes into doing this show is being a broadcaster and presenting the information. So people much smarter than me and much better than me. Uh, are developing systems, really breaking down stuff. I think Mike Clay is a really good example of this. Like, yeah, he's one he of is. the few that has gone basically from doing all the advanced analytics, creating these systems, and transitioning in to a personality on TV who's really good. Uh, and Mike's still one of the few who's done that so far. Most of the people who are the most serious betters. I mean, if you are a super serious better, for one thing, like, uh, a lot of people talk about when successful Daily Fantasy players or successful bettors launch their own operation and start selling their picks or selling their modeling or tools or whatever it might be. The reason that you do that is no matter how good you are at DraftKings or sports betting, there's still a high degree of variance. If you can create a product and sell it to people, that's safe money. Like, you're not losing there's no risk of losing that money going away like ine- inevitably if it 's going to be gambling, even if it is a game of skill, like look at some of the best poker players in the world they, they win a ton of money, sometimes they go broke uh, if you sell stuff it 's just a safer way of life eventually you know you- your heart rate can 't take it anymore, but for people like me and even yourself, like we focus on writing on broadcasting, on podcasting that 's where our main focus goes to articulate this information so if you put someone, it would need to be someone. Well, probably more like you, less like me. I think think people take you a bit more seriously than me. I don't know about that, but, you know, it's very (laughs) close. Maybe someone who's a level up from us in the serious department and put them on to be able to articulate very – like, it doesn't need to get in – and baseball ran into this problem, too. When you start talking too far into analytics, you lose everyone, and then no one wants to see that person ever again. The issue is with football is whether it's the Fox Sunday morning show or the ESPN. I think ESPN does a better job, but, like, Fox with Terry Bradshaw, like – I don't know who the audience is for that show that would also want to hear about gambling or analytics or fantasy. And the people that do want to see that stuff already go to other outlets and they no longer watch that. So if you just added a personality who talks about it on these shows, would that draw back any of the people that left? I don't think that it would. And it might frustrate the people who just don't give a shit about what you're talking about.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's a potential uh, repercussion of that, but I, I think there's going to have to be some sort of metamorphosis eventually. Um, you know, may, is there going to be a full-on, like, hostage takeover of fantasy embedding content that replaces the Terry Bradshaws, the Michael Strahans, he Long's the World on the Desk? No, but I think just subtle integrations, as I mentioned, with a segment, a simple segment. It could be two minutes of, here are the top sleeper picks. Here are the top three player props. Here are the top... Uh, picks against the spread. And you're seeing that a little bit with cousin Sal. They infused him a little bit from the locking in show on Fox. Uh, he had a space at the desk on a couple of pregame shows this year when they tried him out. And I thought it actually blended well. So, you know, maybe that was a litmus test. Uh, maybe it was a positive result and they're going to build off of that. Uh, But you're right, you know, maybe does solely exist uh, on a second screen experience or a secondary network experience like the other pregame show that Jeff Ratcliffe from uh, Pro Football focuses on with CBS on the CBS Sports Channel, you know, away from mainstream CBS. They address all that stuff. So uh, I think there's a place for all of it. Uh, I just want to see some change in the delivery system on major networks. And I'll be honest too with you, Mayo. I think there's an opportunity here, just like with Mike Pereira, uh Dean Blandino, and, and you know how they cut away with referees on a certain call where, you know, at a certain point in a game you're seeing Gus Edwards, you know, coming off the bench uh, because Mark Ingram got hurt and all of a sudden he's running for 150 yards. And you go to a fantasy guy and get his take for 30 seconds, be like, is this a controversy now? You know, is he a top waiver pickup now? this week you know I think there's an opportunity there I think there's a, a place for that kind of voice as well that's the next step in evolution whether it's betting or fantasy and just mainstream game broadcast so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that opportunity come to fruition over the next three to five years
2: I think that's that is a super savvy way of putting it yeah like with the the problem is if you're you if you're my dad for example, and you're watching Monday Night Football, you're watching the Fox, and they bring in Mike Pereira to explain something, that's something that's tangible to the game itself. Like, I don't know what this rule is or how this could potentially be ruled. Here's an expert. He's going to explain that to me. For me, I would enjoy it if, like you said, that awful Mark Ingram got hurt. I don't want to see him get hurt, but let's say he just gets benched during the game and Gus Edwards comes in and goes crazy. Nothing would make me happier, but... Does the average viewer care about whether you should pick them up? I don't think that they do. I think the move is, and I think this would be a great test case for the Super Bowl itself because props are so prevalent, getting back to that. People, the casual fan is aware of props on the Super Bowl, that if Fox makes a deal with even Fox Bet, they just, they go through it, they integrate, that when you walk out to the coin toss, for example— Right. Um, you can have percentages on the screen. Like I don't necessarily think it yeah. takes a person. I think the chirons and the graphics can do a lot of explaining. And then it gets ingrained in people's heads who are watching it. So you, you walk out, you have the coin toss, and the, the ref is about to flip the coin. And on the bottom of the chyron, instead of like you have the ref's name, and then on either sides of it, it's like heads minus 111, tails minus 111. And if you have that proprietary information, you can show here's the bet percentages on that. From the public. I think that would be the really savvy way, at least low level to integrate it and just start making betting seem ingrained in the NFL. And then throughout the game, you can be like, oh, I mean, Julio Jones is in the playoffs. But if Julio Jones has in the third quarter gets his fifth catch for 74 yards on the bottom of the screen, when they show you five for 74 from Julio Jones next to it, they can say player prop for the game is 78.5 and that kind of thing. Yeah, so next but, catch, he hits the over. Right? Exactly. You don't need someone to explain that to you in the booth, at least initially, I don't think. I think people can make the connection of what they're seeing on the screen, and you can just do that through graphics.
3: Well, and to kind of take another step further, too, is that you know in-game live betting is is going to be massive in the United States once people are educated. And, and that's one of the biggest hurdles right now in this market in particular is it's just new. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't understand just basic against the spread, total bets, whatever it is, player props. uh, They would never really grasp on to live in-game betting at this point until they become a season better. Like in Europe, you know, over 70% of the wagers made in the European market are live in-game bets. Could you imagine on a television broadcast like Sunday Night Football or the Super Bowl, like there's a bug in the corner of the screen that is constantly updating the odds live, right there in person. And they go to commercial; it's still there on the screen. You know, maybe with a, an L bar inset, whatever it is, and you can go to Fox Bet as you mentioned, and with Fox, you know, having the Super Bowl, and you can go and wager on that live bet immediately. That to me is brilliant content marketing for any of these, you know, primary. Uh, Channels that are out there that happen to be in the sports betting business or if they partner up with an existing house to have that constantly on the screen I would find that utterly fascinating to see the roller coaster ride of the line as the game is going on in real time.
2: And it would be really cool, too, just to even go on that. Like, if there was going to be a challenge in the game. So even from, like, the Saints-Minnesota game last week when it looked like the Saints had, or in the uh, wildcard round, that the Saints had returned the touchdown after Dalvin Cook coughed it up, that you would see on the screen that the odds would instantly change, and then there's a challenge, and they would immediately go off the board. So you remember what yeah. they were before the challenge, and then the challenge happens, you hear the outcome, and then the odds reset. I think people would just be very intrigued by that.
3: Yeah, I think they would. And look, these are just simple integrations, uh, simple evolutions that can be infused in a broadcast right now. Uh, Are we going to see it when you turn on Sunday Night Football next year? Maybe not, but there, there may be some Integrations that will come to the forefront. I mean, we've already seen more infusions, particularly with Chris Collinsworth uh, through his uh, ownership of pro football focus and the advanced analytics that are there. Look, the NFL is just slow to take. Uh, They operate at a three toed sloth speed. Compared to some of the other sports that are out there when it comes to advanced stats. I mean, baseball's been in the advanced stats world, you know, since Bill James and you know various others out there, and, and you know, baseball forecaster and, and Chandler and what he's done, where it became just a part of the game starting in the 1980s. The NBA with their plus-minus system and all their advanced stats, and you know, putting you know computer chips and balls and tracking all that stuff, they've really embraced it. Um, college basketball it, it's part of the vernacular now And then you're talking about Ken Pomeroy's advanced stats there and, and efficiency ratings and points per possession and all the stuff at a granular level it's it's there it's prevalent everywhere the NFL is just old school and uh, its approach and I think that is starting to change so eventually like I said evolution takes time um, you know fantasy uh, 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 Brad Brad
2: for- I actually heard evolution doesn't exist that's fake news <laughs>
3: Uh, do you live in kansas i don't know um so you know there's are certain areas of the world yes that is true but uh look i will say this um you know evolution does take time and fantasy's been around for you know ages but it really didn't explode until the advent of broadband internet connections and then when they became readily available in the early 2000s so you know we're 15 to 20 years into the massive popularity of this virtual game and i think it's it's now that you know, at the end of the day, executives, companies, they're all about the bottom line. They're all about making money. There's just so much money to be made with all this, you know, this rat race for brand awareness with all these major sports books that they have to innovate. It is going to force their hands. So changes will come again. I just don't know how quickly they're going to take hold.
2: The issue with the NFL is the NFL is such a print fest as it is that they don't – I mean, of course, everyone always wants to make more and more money. It's just once you're so far ahead of the other sports is that you fail to basically – look in the cracks to find, you don't look in the couch for change anymore because you just have $100 yeah. bills just in your wallet. You're like, yeah, whatever, you can have the 25 cents. So the NBA, in order to catch up with the to the NFL, and they're not caught up to the NFL, but they've done a significant job over the past 10 years that Adam Silver was basically the first one to really embrace sports yeah. betting and what this can do with our sport. Here's how we're going to update our television product so you can see as much of it as possible. Make it easy. Embrace social media. So I think that, because I like, I imagine. the Super Bowl is the place where networks try to roll out a lot of the things that you're going to see for next season of the NFL. So Fox is going to have three or four new things on their broadcast, whether it be a new font design, a new bar at the top, a new bug on the screen, something, some sort of new way to integrate everything in that will be a part of their regular Sunday broadcast in 2020. Uh, that's where they'll debut it. And then the other networks will see it and be like, oh, we need to catch up with this. Like that's the marginal Innovation that happens in broadcasting in the NFL right now. But even to something simple, you mentioned the live odds on the screen, potentially player props in a Chiron. What if during the Super Bowl, we saw, you know, let's say it's the Ravens and I mean, we should know who it is by now, but whoever it is, they come onto the field and, you know, it's a mediocre offense or even just to scale back to that Titans and Patriots game from the first round where there was just a bunch of punts all the time that when Brady takes the field, and he's walking out in the bottom corner of the screen. I mean, you talk about live wagering. One of the things that I'm able to live wager on where I live is how is this drive going to end? Will it be yeah. a touchdown, a field goal, yeah. a punt, or a turnover? You just have those odds on the screen when he's walking out. Like that's and it's good filler content because nothing is happening at this time either.
3: No, you're right. And look, what that is, it's encouraging encouraging engagement. And that is what all of these companies and, and producers covet, right? They they want you on that channel the entire duration of a game. So how are you gonna captivate people's attention in, you know, this age where, you know, cell phones, everything, it's instantaneous information and attention spans are already short to begin with. It is by engaging them with gamification. So uh, I think that's something that's gonna be injected in a broadcast. And and Mayo, I'll be really curious to see, to be honest with you, what the XFL does. Because the XFL, I mean, they were innovators back in the day, the first iteration of it, you know, with the cable cam, the sky cam, all that stuff. uh, You know, the disorganized cheerleaders, I guess, uh, was an innovation in a way. But, you know, the XFL uh, paved the path for a lot of uh, popular integrations uh, and rules that are now part of the NFL game. So this second iteration of the XFL. How is it going to embrace sports betting? How is it going to look on the screen? They could break new ground there. And if it takes hold, it becomes popular. You're going to see the NFL copycat it immediately next fall.
2: Oh, and that's, like you mentioned before I did one uh, interview when I first started out at fantasy, the fantasy sports network, with Jim Ross. And that's one of the things that we talked about was the cable cam, how it just, yeah. it, it came from wrestling, went in just the production people who ran Monday Night Raw started running the NBC production for the XFL and like, we got to have this. Like, this is the the major cam you need to have. And he said, you you can't turn on a football game on Fox or anything at this point and not see that cam. So, yeah, I do think and it's a perfect test ground, too, because no one cares about the XFL.
3: Well, not entirely. I mean, at least not right now. Um, uh, The American Alliance of Football, whatever that was, I mean, that was a disaster from the get-go. You know, it was a novelty at first. I watched a couple of games like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, they can actually hit people, and they're not going to throw a a flag for roughing the passer. You know, it was kind of refreshing to see it, uh, but it was a bit disorganized. uh, And I don't think they really fully embraced the AAF, though the app was really slick. The fantasy and sports betting side. So I think the XFL is going to learn from the AF's mistakes and shortcomings, and and really build off of that, and also what is popular, you know, with the NFL today. So it, it is truly going to be a fantastic experiment, and I, I'm just hopeful that the XFL again is going to break new ground in the sports betting and fantasy spaces. That it's going to popularize it even more. and you're going to see that, then carry over to the NFL.
2: Well, it almost works twofold as well, where someone like DraftKings needs the NFL to integrate it, to bring it to like more of a mass audience. It works the other way with the XFL, is that they get into a partnership with DraftKings, and DraftKings is embracing the gambling side of this, uh, and so does the XFL. Is that it enhances the standing of the XFL to anyone who bets or plays on DraftKings or wherever, that they'll now actually tune in. Like, I have no interest in watching the XFL. But if you make it a DraftKings game and I can play on it, it's the middle of April. Like, hey, why not? I'll watch. Engagement, engagement, engagement. That's all it is, man. See, that seems like a better marketing tool for them than, I don't know. I I just, are people, maybe it's just, it's out of my purview that I haven't really heard anyone talk about it. Are are people curious about, because I think this, A, whatever the hell it was, kind of submarine the XFL a little bit in terms of what this could be and maybe the XFL comes out and it's great and it really draws people in but like I said I'm dubious
3: yeah I mean I, I don't know if it's going to be successful uh, I think the timing of it and having it you know right after the Super Bowl so there's still an appetite for football I think is excellent timing uh, for the launch uh, the experimental rules I think people there's a curiosity there so people are going to tune in and be like okay is this something that's consumable is it going to captivate my attention uh, But you know, if you don't gamify, if you don't have a DraftKings, if you don't have a FanDuel game, if you don't have, uh, you know, like monkey night fight over unders or, you know, a, a sports betting element to it, then it's never going to be successful. And it, it, look, it just all comes back to this, in, the entirety of this conversation is that, you know, in the NFL, a, a prime example, the, uh, the Bengals-Miami game was at week 16. Right. That went in overtime. Nobody's watching that. These are two lousy teams outside of the Miami market, outside the Cincinnati market. And I would say that within those markets themselves, maybe they have half the normal audience that they would have had, you know, the first five weeks of the season when they were still alive, they were actually tuning into that. The people that were so in, involved in that game, that were so in tuned in that game, they were fantasy players and sports bettors because, you know, we had the fantasy playoffs aligned. Somebody was like, oh, my God, I got Ryan Fitzpatrick. I streamed him. I picked him off of waivers. He's having the game of his life. Devontae Parker's catching everything. Oh, my God, I won my championship. They were the ones they were, that were consuming that game. They were the ones that were watching every single minute of it on pins and needles, not the traditional fans. So again, it it just comes back to engagement and fantasy embedding is the
2: ultimate in that category. Do you think that an NFL broadcast with people talking about some sort of hybrid of fantasy and gambling could actually work? I'm not talking about for instead of Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, it's two people talking about gambling. But as a second screen experience, on potentially the Peacock streaming service or yeah. on their website whatever it might be on the NBC Sports channel concurrently while the other game is going do you think people would tune into that cuz i'm not sure for a single football game i think it works better that just incorporate gambling into the red zone channel
3: yeah i think that's that's the point i was going to make it's i mean you've already seen it with DirecTV and their fantasy zone channel they're already doing this now i mean if you got game rights And you have a lower third screen with my ugly face or your pretty face on air, uh, Mayo, and you're talking about, you know, the sports betting aspect of this, the player prop aspect, the fantasy aspect of it. There is certainly an audience. There is certainly an appetite for that. Uh, I think there is a a larger appetite across all sports for an OTT network. Um, And you've seen some of it that's out there right now. But I think it's uh, it's it has to be personality driven and it has to be transparent. I mean, that's going to be the biggest key in the American marketplace. And, you know, in Canada, once Canada legalizes, uh, you know, sports betting in full is that, you know, if you're watching a Toronto Maple Leafs game or something and, you know, you pick uh, the opposing team, the Canadians, um, you know, on the puck line and end up losing that. And Toronto somehow gets the win in the cover. Uh, you got to come out and say, yeah, I was wrong on that. Um, you know, people will. They gravitate toward personalities and they gravitate toward honesty. And if you're just like some slick Willie and somebody that is, you know, blowing smoke up people's keisters, uh, they're going to immediately turn you off. Uh, they're not going to follow you. You know, they're not even going to want to fade you because you're just not being truthful. You don't want to be Vegas Dave, right? <laughs> you, that's what you don't want to be. You don't want to be a shyster. You don't want to be somebody that's just pulling wool over other people's eyes thinking you're, hey, I'm the smartest guy in the room. Hey, uh, take the Ravens at minus 10,000 because they're favored by 15 <laughs> against the Bengals uh, on the money line. That's my lock of the day. Uh, and then you just you know, cook the books, essentially, make yourself look like you're the smartest person in the room. At least you claim you're hitting at a 70, 75% rate. Truthfulness, honesty, transparency, personality, that is what is going to play well in the sandbox of sports
2: betting. Well, I I would completely agree with that, and from my personal experience, anyone who regularly watches the show knows I'm absolutely awful at betting, and I give out my picks. <laughs> hey, join the club, man! Yeah, listen, it's <laughs> tough to be good at it, especially when you're helped, and people can see, I, it's not like I delete the stuff when I'm wrong, like, people can see that I'm wrong, but... I do this for entertainment. Like, my gambling, I'm not a professional gambler. I make that very clear to people that I like to bet on football. I like to bet on golf. I like to bet on whatever. I like to bet on politics, and, like, I like to bet on movie awards and box office and that kind of thing just because I find it entertaining. Like, you can go to the movies and spend basically 80. If my wife and I go to the movies between parking, the tickets, food, getting there, getting a babysitter, we're now to, like, 150 bucks for the night. Yeah. I mean, or we can stay home, watch a movie, and I can put 100 bucks on a, on a game, and I can watch the game, and she can watch something else, or we can watch them both at the same time because everyone has 18 different devices now that it's entertainment, and that's all it should be because 99.9999% of people who bet on sports are not pros. Whether they consider themselves pro or not, they're not winning at least. Yeah, and the other thing
3: here too, and just kind of you know piggyback on what you're saying is, you know, people are always like, my model, my system you know, log into my website, uh, dial my 1-900 number, throw down 49995 and I guarantee you're going to win. Those people are called touts, right? And they exist in the DFS world as well. If you put a pick behind a paywall, you are a tout, all right? I do not advocate for that. I'm all about free picks because I don't have all the answers. Am I going to State my case cogently and logically and back it up with numbers and analysis, film view, whatever it is, when I'm you know, stating a case or a player or a team against a spread. Absolutely, I'm going to do that. But I'm going to give it to you for free because, again, I'm not a pro. I don't try to pretend to be a pro. I'm just a dude that bets. And I think that is what people are going to cling to in the American marketplace is just somebody It's like, I can have a beer with that guy. I can feel his pain. I can empathize with him that his team didn't cover because somebody hit a half quarter at the buzzer. And, you know, as long as you laid out there transparently, you're going to have a lot of success in this business conveying that message. And unfortunately, right now, Mayo, there are very few people, whether in fantasy or in the sports betting world that do that.
2: What sport do you think integrates the best with gambling? We just talked about red zone a little bit. I think that works out really well. You say that the biggest weekend in Vegas every single year is going to be the March Madness. Would days one, two, three, and 4 March Madness, if Turner was like, hey, instead of putting whatever game on true TV, we're basically going to have college basketball red zone for a gambling perspective. Would that work? Uh, I'm removing my belt right now. Just the sheer uh, thought of that idea. <laughs> oh my God! It'd
3: be amazing. And that's one thing that I I don't understand how. Like DirecTV had rights to the NCAA tournament, and you could go and you could have like a the the quad box or an octo box, so you'd have like eight games going on at once on one screen. I never understood why they just didn't have a singular channel, like you said, and they would just do cutaways based on where the action would take them. You know, those buzzer beaters uh, that were timely. You do get some of that on the main channels now that they'll, you know, go away from a blowout game and they'll go like, hey, this, uh, this Xavier game's coming down in the waiting moments. They're down two. They got the ball with five seconds to go. Let's see if they make the three to advance and survive onto the next round. But if you had a singular channel with that focus and it was a sports betting focus, just, I mean, they would have a printing press of money. The well, back you, of
2: the damn truck. Yeah, yeah. You just stand at the back of the train when they're tossing off money and it's all yours. There's there's yeah, no one there to compete for it. Yeah, but a lot of this has to do with who owns the rights to it. Now that the NFL has locked themselves back in to these deals for nine, 10 years, uh, and that includes the digital platforms. Like I think for the audience and us being people that work inside the industry, that we would have been better off if Facebook won the rights to it.
3: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, you know, there, there's there's a lot of hurdles here. Uh, there's a lot of blockades uh, because of these existing rights deals, and there's not a whole lot of flexibility once they're signed. So, you know, you can't really add content necessarily. And, and the league, the NFL, good lord, uh, I mean, they're just living in the Cenozoic period uh, or Mesozoic uh, uh, period. I mean, they are just so old school. Uh, When it comes to uh, their perspectives on sports betting, it's all about the integrity of the game, even though the, you know, sports bettors and fantasy players have, uh, you know, taken the game to unforeseen popular waters that uh, they have never have expected. Uh, so you know it's gonna be interesting to see what they do uh, within you know the next deal because I know that uh, the Sunday ticket Sunday ticket deal is coming up you know do they go to an Amazon do they stick with a direct TV do they just own all their own rights and stream it on their own NFL.com platform uh, you know will they fully embrace the sports betting audience will that be one of the alternative channels that it's that, that hybrid as we talked about you know I think the one thing you're going to see this year and you know, maybe it's in the NBA, but I think it's going to be with Major League Baseball. So, DAZN has a an MLB Red Zone channel of their own. I bet you they gamify this year. Uh, I think that channel, if it's going to have any success, if it's going to grow any of the audience, because as you know, you and I both know that fantasy baseball is stagnated, dead. There's not any growth there. Uh, you could say that it's it's almost dying to a certain extent, but it's certainly plateaued. And if you're going to encourage Higher engagement. If you're going to encourage new players and those casual players, you're going to have to gamify. And I think a great way of doing it is infusing that into their DAZN MLB red zone type. I think it's called change up broadcast. So that's something to watch here this summer to see if that actually comes to the table.
2: Well, uh, up here in Canada and outside of the United States, uh, it's funny, DAZN has done such good work in marketing themselves recently that everyone calls it DAZN now, not DAZN, which is just a a huge step in the right direction for them. But But they own the rights to digital Sunday ticket everywhere else in the world outside of the United States. So when I am on my computer or on my phone... Uh, And they lease it to some of the terrestrial networks up in Canada. So I believe Rogers and Bell both own it, which are the two major telecommunications providers and the uh, cable providers up here. They lease it out to them to put on their channels and they'll pay like a sub fee to DAZN. But like if I'm on my iPad and I want to pull up DAZN, that's where I have to watch Sunday Ticket. The issue becomes that no matter how good your Internet is, there's always going to be Lag. Always. And it's not significant. Like the first year he was up here, it was a fucking disaster. It was like three minutes behind, it would cut out, and people they had to give everyone their money back, which they did, which is really nice. They actually I had a friend who was so upset with them, he called them, he lives in Calgary, they came to his house and gave him a Sunday experience. Uh they bought they brought beer, they brought chips, they brought food, and like rehooked up everything to make sure that like everything was cool and he would remain a disowned customer, which I thought was a pretty cool way to I mean, they're not going to do it for everyone, but apparently they did it for him. But now we're three years into this and it's like, I don't know, a five to 10 second lag, which doesn't seem like a lot. But if you want to integrate gambling into it, It is because it actually is the perfect platform for all of this because you're watching football on TV. That's one thing. Maybe you have a smart TV that can be integrated in this. But if you're watching on your computer or you're watching on your iPad or your phone, if DAZN did a deal with one of the gambling providers for this baseball product and you could quad screen baseball or double screen baseball and bet at the same time just by touching the screen, now you're printing money.
3: Yeah, and I think baseball is, uh, is a great place to experiment with this because it is a slower sport, right? I mean, just uh, the fact that from pitch to pitch, it can take upwards of, you know, 25 to 30 seconds. So having that kind of technology with the live betting element, even if there is a built-in lag of, you know, maybe five, six, seven seconds, you can still get away with it. So, yeah, you're right. That is something that has to be remedied. Uh, particularly for faster games, basketball, very difficult, right? Because just the speed of the game, up and down, you're zipping, uh, particularly with high-tempo teams. Uh, With the NFL, I think there's more stoppages there that it can work. It's almost like segmented content. Um, You know, hockey, I think it would be difficult for. But, uh, again, with with baseball and with football, I think that is the area where live betting is really going to take off. Uh, But, you know, as technology advances, lag's going to become less and less a factor. Uh, But once that problem is solved, then live betting is really going to skyrocket into the stratosphere.
2: So the other potential rights holders, and this is what DAZN did really smartly, was to acquire – a lot of the – what North Americans don't consider major properties. So, like, they have the Premier League now, which is a big property, especially worldwide, but within North America, it's big but not huge. It's not the NFL, for example, and it's not even Major League Baseball. Hell, it's not even golf at this point. But they also own, like, Serie A stuff. They own, like – there are certain, like – and eventually – Maybe you don't give an exclusive to them or to can they seem to be OK with licensing out some of these deals. But I'm on a site right now as we speak. And there's a live soccer game streaming on the betting site that I'm on with live odds next to it in real time.
3: Oh, that's fantastic. And
2: again, you're going to see more and more of that content hit the mainstream in the U.S. online. Um I mean, I, I, <laughs> I just worry about Ken it doesn't matter who the provider is, uh, whether it's the app, whether it's the website, whether it's buy a TV channel or the rights to the deal is how can they get the rights to the games? That's going to be the tricky part yeah. for the very yeah. major sports.
3: Yeah, exactly. And, and will those sports then also embrace betting? And, you know, I, I you're going to see with the NBA, you're going to see with Major League Baseball. Uh, I think you're going to see with the NHL. I mean, you're basically see with everything but the NCAA, because the NCAA is, uh, they're just a bunch of dodos running around, running that organization. Uh, it needs to die in a quick and painful death. <laughs> I want them to feel it because it's so awful. Uh, but the NFL and the NCAA, they're going to be the ones that are going to be the last to the take on all of this. So I think you're going to have to see some of those innovations and in, in some of these other you know popular American sports. And once those take off and uh, they lay the tracks for it, the NFL is going to swoop in and be like, okay, we're going to do this too. But, yeah, it's coming. And and you're seeing it right now on your screen. I mean, look, there are people that bet on the most absurd things like highlight and uh, Japanese baseball. I know a guy that wagers on Japanese baseball. He gets up in the morning uh, because it's like, I don't know, night the next day or it's afternoon the next day in in Tokyo. And it's like 6 a.m., mountain time and he's wagering on uh the Hiroshima carp.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. And the best way to integrate this stuff if you did want to test for it, like instead of putting live betting into the coverage of NBA games, test it out with the WNBA. And then if it like goes yeah. wrong then Most people aren't lining up. I mean, uh, there are really sharp bettors who, like, hammer WNBA bets. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because the market is so soft because so few people bet on it. But, like, you could do it for European Tour golf before doing it for the PGA. Like, you could do it the XFL before doing it to the NFL. Japanese, the Japanese or Korean Baseball League before bringing it over to MLB just to test the waters and get the stuff right. By the time that you implement it into the major American stuff, then all of a sudden it's – you know there's no test period anymore it this works we know it works we know how to do this we've tried it out it's a, basically like the minor league baseball of gambling yeah precisely and that's all they need
3: somebody just needs to try it they got to push in the entire stack of chips into the middle of the pot and say all right we're going to go full bore on this and you know you track the results you see what the engagement's like and i think people are going to be astonished at the spike that it's going to generate and you're right. Maybe the WNBA is it. I've heard the same thing, too. It's like there is so much sharp action in that sport. It's insane. And, and you know, there's going to be people out there and be like, oh, well, uh, these ladies are going to be throwing games. No, they're not. You know, and the great thing about legalization of sports betting is that there's it creates a paper trail. If you don't think games are being fixed now, then you're living in the dark because there are games being fixed in markets where sports betting is illegal uh, within the black market it usually happens in college sports and college basketball point shaving is a thing and sometimes you can find it sometimes you can see it firsthand and if you you if you're looking for subtleties and you're looking for those instances they're there uh, but if you legalize sports betting um, and cast a light on that kind of shadow industry then it creates like I said that paper trail that should eliminate these instances of kids throwing games or here's what you do. Just kill the NCAA and actually pay these guys.
2: <laughs> that would be nice. But the what you're hitting on is I think the people don't what people don't understand about, like, fixing games and things like that. It's like it usually happens with two really small schools, for one thing, whether it's Always. in basketball or football. Because you, you wouldn't want attention on it, for one thing. And yeah. the part that, like, the casual observer doesn't understand, it's like, oh, well, this team lost by 23. Uh, did they throw it to lose? No, they threw it because the spread was 24 or the spread was 20 too. That's where it comes in. Yeah, guys missing uh, critical free throws,
3: uh he makes like a dumbfounding pass that happens to go out of bounds. <laughs> Dude, that stuff happens. It happens a lot. And you're right, it is usually with like a big West team or an American East team. Um you know, it's like Maine versus uh St. Bonaventure or some nonsense, right? Where it's usually a smaller team that nobody's really paying attention to. There's maybe 3 400 people in the stands. And then get away with it. That's where these games get fixed. And again, you know, is it going to completely eliminate legalization? Those instances? Probably not. But I think it's going to minimize those cases uh, once, you know, sports betting is legalized within a particular state's borders.
2: I think the sport that does this the best right now in integrating at least some semblance of gambling into their broadcast, and I think it's the reason it sold for so much money uh, when it was just a few years ago and ESPN acquired the rights to it, is the UFC. Oh, hundred percent. Well, I mean, the UFC is, is, you know, all about Vegas.
3: It's all about Jersey. It's all about that sports betting atmosphere and boxing, you know, to a certain extent, but UFC, you know, it is a blood sport. No no matter if you like it or hate it, you know, it's not my jam. Uh, I'm not really into it, but uh, I know a ton of people that do wager on it and that is why that sport has taken off. Uh, I mean, Dana White, if you point Blank asked him, Hey, you know, what is the singular key to success for this sport? Or give me your top three reasons. I guarantee you sports betting is going to be in that mix. He gets it. Um, you know, this is why they, you know, they, they tailor the broadcast in a certain way to that audience. Um, you know, it is engaging content and is manufactured perfectly for the sports betting audience.
2: And like when the guys are like walking out to the octagon or this guy, tail of the tape, you know, reach, weight, height, odds. Yep. Like, it's that easy. Yeah, it really is that easy. And, and you know, it's it's just subtleties. That's all we're talking
3: about, right? In, in pulling that in and placing that stamp onto mainstream sports broadcast, that is the future. It should be the present soon, uh, at least my hope. Fingers and toes crossed on that. But, again, man, once uh, these old hat executives fall to the wayside and guys in our 40s are like me – you know, start taking over some of these executive producer roles and they understand the space, they get it. Uh, it will be a game changer and you will not be able to avoid it for the, you know, probably the remainder of this century
2: well, <laughs> or Well, the curious thing that I'm looking forward to is when the PGA did this deal with DraftKings that, They're official partners now. I have, as someone who is a contractor for DraftKings, we're talking on the DraftKings channel right now, and all my content is geared towards DraftKings coverage. I have no idea what this actually means. All I know is that I do a two-minute video for the PGA Tour Digital now. That's the only thing that's really happened so far. I'm curious to see if there is integration somehow with the broadcast and golf, because the sneaky little thing about the PGA and golf in general is that it's actually the best sport to bet on.
3: It is. And I think just taking your two minute clip that you're currently doing for DraftKings and and putting it on a broadcast for Fox, uh, putting it on, It,
2: it goes up on, it goes up way too late on a Wednesday on the PGA tour Twitter account. That's it. Yeah. See, and that's lame.
3: Like that, that should be injected into the broadcast itself. I mean, that's a simple initial step to get where these broadcasts need to go, right? Um, I, in, in the PGA, maybe they're going to be the first to uh, really, you know, take this on full throttle. I mean, that, like you said, that's a sport that is, it is tailored perfectly for sports betting. Perfectly. So why not take your little two-minute segment and instead of putting on the PGA Twitter account – Yeah. You know, I actually put it on the broadcast, you know, right before, you know, Tiger Woods tees off that day,
2: because that's when everybody's tuning in. That would make the most sense and where they can maximize their buck. And the actual, and we've talked about this on the show millions of times at this point. So I think that people who are regular viewers have had this hammered home that like a golf red zone channel, whether it's betting, whether it's fantasy or just watching golf is essential. And there's just not the infrastructure in place week to week because you're traveling around it's not all the same places you have new courses that's a lot of manpower when there's 150 players on the course to get a camera in real time on all of them i understand that but it doesn't even seem like they want to try
3: no no it doesn't and you know look there's there's shortcomings with a lot of this stuff um you know i thought fox had a golden opportunity when they got rights to the pga tour and some of the events there uh to you know Throw in more cameras to, to follow more golfers throughout the entire process, but that to me just makes the most sense, right? And you could almost take that and, and apply it to, let's say, to the NFL. It's like, look, I have Tyree Kill on my fantasy team. Uh, I want a secondary screen experience of a camera just on Tyree Kill, just on him. I want to make sure I'm seeing every single play, every single move, every single thing that he does. Uh, in real time. And I I think there's an appetite for that.
2: Potentially. It's almost like where you can buy sort of like the, the Sunday ticket and direct TV of NASCAR, where you can just like go into the driver's like dashboard of like, you want to, I don't know, like Dale Earnhardt Jr. I don't know if he races anymore. Probably does not either way. At one point you could just be in the car while he was driving and see what's up. Yeah, sure. The crotch cam. I think that's going to take off in NASCAR. No, but it's an actual thing. Like, there'd be like a dashboard cam and you could hear what was like being said between him and his team. Like, well, he's racing around. I don't know. Like, it's not for me, but apparently it was a thing or is still a thing. And people like that. Well,
3: yeah. I mean, you think about like, uh, the PGA Tour, if you think about NASCAR, those are individual driver, player sports, right? People cling to Tiger Woods. Uh, people cling to Davis Love III back in the day. It's like, Davis Love III was my guy. And that's all they care about. That's all they want to watch. Earnhardt or whoever it is. Uh, Danica Patrick, when she was a thing in NASCAR. That's all they wanted to watch. Uh, that is an individual-driven Sport. Both of those genres are, um, unlike some of the others that are more team sports. But I think baseball certainly that way, uh, because of the fantasy mindset. The NFL is definitely that way, because of uh, the growth and popularity of fantasy. Uh, Maybe in the um, really, it could apply to to all major sports when you really
2: think about it. Well, one of the pitches that I made, I think it was in 2013, 2014, when I was actually talking to the MLB network, was if you had the live rights to these games and you can set up the streaming services. Now, like you said, DAZN has it. I think believe they had the digital rights at the time or we're trying to re- acquire it, is that do a partnership with DraftKings. And what people can do is that instead of I have a four box on the screen, I have a two box and I can input basically my lineup's the players that I want. And then you would have basically a system in place that once you plug in your players, that it would basically become on demand for them so if you have Giancarlo yep. Stanton and whoever if there's a Yankees game and an Angels game going out at the same time but you have two Yankees and one Angel in your lineup when your Yankee is up it flicks to him when your Angel is up it flicks to that game when he's up then it flicks back to the Yankees game when your guy is up or if your pitcher's on the mound you can have him in the little box in the top when he's pitching it goes away when he's sitting on the bench like stuff like that and the, the problem is we can sit here and bullshit about it all we want i don't actually know how difficult this stuff is to do in terms of the actual the manpower the manpower the cost the coding that goes back into it but i think that unless you have people talking about these ideas it might not ever occur to a development team to try this stuff out in the first place
3: no and look it's just like a general broadcast overall i mean there it is not evolved much i mean uh terms of the messaging it's either a two or three man booth i mean we had the booger mobile that was fun and exciting for we just had,
2: we, we just have booger and that's good enough
3: <laughs> yeah drawing drawing uh you know penises and balls uh on air pretty much every single broadcast which you know keeps me enthralled keeps me entertained uh because i'm just like oh yeah it's the open penis formation thanks booger for that one um so i mean i guess there there's some entertainment value there but you know, there, there have been some innovations. We talked about the cable cam and XFL and how the NFL took that on. And now it's, you know, a mainstay in all of its broadcasts. but you know, it's, it's still at its core, pretty much the same concept it's been for the last 50, 60 years since television was invented. So eventually you hope there's going to be next steps and it all comes back to having that fantasy voice, whether visually with numbers and data on the screen or jackass like me or you, uh, with cutaways or being even a part of the booth. I don't think anybody would ever want that. I'm not saying I would want that either uh, spouting off their opinions from that perspective.
2: So during the majors on the Fridays, uh, Feinberg and myself end up doing a, what we call a cut sweat show. So, well, the event is going on. Obviously we're not seeing every shot on TV, so we're tracking it. I'm using FantasyNational.com to get a lot of the live stats. And, you know, I can look up instantaneously if I see Gary Woodland hits it into the left rough and he's like 175 yards away at my fingertips, I actually have, Hey, how does Gary Woodland do from the left, from the left side of the f- rough from the fairway on proximity on holes of this length from this distance. Yeah. And we can talk yeah. about that stuff in real time as it's going along. And then we can also talk about the cut line. We've been doing this for like three, four years now. And it's a lot of fun, but I don't know if it's a broadcast. If we had the, like you said, if we had the rights to go along with it, I think it would There's something there for that. And I think in each sport that there is an equivalent of that, which, if refined, could be incredibly popular. And we're talking about, hey, I remember we were doing it for the US Open. It came out one point. He was just like, cause he had a bet on 80 to 1 on Gary Woodland, who ended up winning. He's like, Woodland's still 10 to 1 here right now. I'm going to re-up on that. Like that sort of talk where you you don't take it as gospel, but it's fun to hear people talk about it. Yeah.
3: So as long as you have the data to back it up. And, you know, you marry the two together. And, and I think there's there's opportunity there for sports rights. But, I mean, you're even seeing with some second screen, uh, screen ex, Excuse me, experiences where, you know, you're watching, like, I don't know, like what Barstool's doing. And it's just a camera on dudes watching the game. And, I mean, you're not even hearing the broadcast. You're just hearing their reaction and how they're spinning it. Now, they're spinning it as, like, pure fans or guys that may have action on it. You know, that's more the personality side. You know, if you took that a step further and you integrated some of the data with it, you know, that uh, would say yay or nay on a live bet at that moment in time, that's invaluable content. And, you know, again, we're going to get there. Somebody is going to do this and you've already seen uh, an initial launch of that with the uh, NFL fantasy zone. The next step would be, okay, now how can we bring gambling into the fold with that sort of concept? As long as the NFL says, okay, we're comfortable now. uh, It's no longer taboo in our eyes. Uh, you know, this isn't a violation of our terms. We're cool with it. And maybe the Raiders will change it since they're going to be in Vegas next year. Uh, you know, that will be the next step in this entire process. So I'm here for it. I'm excited. I can't wait to see it. And I hope to be a part of any of those broadcasts that come to fruition.
2: Yeah, and ins- I think the more likely scenario in all of this is instead of someone like you or I or someone of our ilk that comes from this sort of background of personality-driven but also information-driven at the same time, the move would be, if someone wants to become the next best broadcaster in terms of football, like let's say it's Antonio Brown, and probably not the best example. But <laughs> hey, he's not playing football anymore. Uh, he needs something to do. And fighting, yeah. Logan, fighting Logan Paul probably isn't the right move. So. No. He goes to you or I, or he goes to whoever who knows about this stuff, about gambling, about football analytics, and he gets coached up on how to talk about this stuff. An ex-athlete who would present this information, which, I mean, if it's something you don't know about and you would need a personality to do it, but if you could be coached up that way, that is the type of person that could really push this forward. I just don't know who that person would be.
3: Yeah, I don't know who that person is either. Uh, I discovered Tank Williams, who you know played in the NFL for eight seasons with the Tennessee Titans and Minnesota Vikings for a hot minute with the New England Patriots uh, as a free safety. And when I discovered him at a conference, uh, God, six seven years ago now. And I saw this dude, I'm like, I think that guy played the league and went up and introduced myself. But all he was doing was hanging out with Al Ziedenfeld <laughs> and, all, and, and and Drew Dickmeyer and all these guys in the DFS community and picking their brains. I'm like, wait a minute, here's a former NFL player, recently retired, and all he does is stand around and he's trying to figure out, you know, how am I going to crack the code of DraftKings? How am I going to crack the code of FanDuel? And he's, you know, he's just trying to get opinions and information from these cats I'm like, this dude's unique. So I went up to him and just started picking his brain about what he knew about DFS and fantasy and was blown away. I'm like, I said, Tank, do you have any idea that you're a unicorn? Like people like you don't exist. So I immediately called up my executive producer Yahoo Sports, Ryan Dorbush. And I said, we got to bring in this guy and test him on camera. And the rest is history. I mean, Tank's, uh, I think a growing and burgeoning star, a budding star uh, in this business uh, because he understands how to speak the the language of fantasy and betting and does it with an entertaining flair to boot as an ex player. Uh, guys like that just don't exist. So you're right. Eventually one of these guys is gonna, you know, come to the table and be like, oh wow, I can make how many millions doing this? And they're gonna be that unique voice. And then we'll just, you know, rocket this thing to the moon.
2: And it would be the perfect conduit to bring it to the masses because it's like if, yeah. I'm, if I'm on the Fox Sunday show with Terry Bradshaw and Howie and I'm trying to talk about what I'm going on, they don't know what the hell I'm talking about. And most of the people watching don't know what the hell I'm talking about and don't care that I'm saying it. The fuck am I? That if it, right. was, if it was Randy Moss doing it, it'd be a little bit different. And then people are like, oh, OK, well, if this guy thinks that he played, that'd be great. I think that's, that's sort of the secret sauce to all of this and us really breaking through. Completely agree. All right, Brad Evans. What should we know about what you're up to right now? Pimp the podcast. Uh, yeah, I've got a podcast I do with
3: Brandon Funtz called the Fantasy Record. Uh, you can download it uh, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you download and listen to your podcasts. Uh, we're going to be doing that once a week uh, throughout the entire offseason. We break down a lot of player props, uh, picks against the spread, fantasy perspectives galore. We'll be doing some, uh, stuff around March Madness as well, which is one of my specialties. Uh, right now, I'm just a free agent drinking a lot of tequila. Uh, putting on a nice little uh, layer uh, to my table bumper and uh, thinking about doing some hardcore illicit drugs to just kind of get through some of these lean weeks until I get a new job. So hopefully nobody's got to drug test me uh, because it's got a spike. I'm going to be like the Josh Gordon of fantasy experts when it's all said. and done.
2: Well, you're in Colorado. Just go buy. I mean, if you don't want to start at the very, very bottom and the hardest of the hard, just go buy all the weed. You can just smoke it all. And you'll like pass out for three days and you'll wake up and be like, Hey, it's time to start working hey, again this is great hey, we may be lo- uh,
3: legalizing hallucinogenic mushrooms oh my
2: god in the next election it, it nearly passed this last election it's a thing have fun with that man <laughs> <laughs> Freaking it out man uh, just don't go into public i'll tell you that much no, uh, I do, I do that. you can follow oh you change your twitter handle too H- has that been annoying Uh, No, uh, I had
3: agents and uh, I just said, hey, can you do me a favor? They're like, sure, it was painless for me. uh, But it was Yahoo Noise and now it's Noisy Wavos because I had four handles. It was annoying because I couldn't find something that was cool. But, you know, Team Wavos was taken, Fade the Noise was taken, all these brands that I established with a hashtag were all taken. And by these shadow accounts, I have like two followers. They're probably like bots. But, you know, Twitter has certain rules, you can't get those. So I put up for vote, four options, and Noisy Wavos won uh, in a romp. So, um, yeah, and we got T-shirt line at RotoWare. It It was pretty seamless for me in the end. But at Noisy Wavos hit me up, harass me. Uh, check out my free picks. Again, I'm not a tout. Anytime on the Twitter.
2: And see there's the real business. Whenever like the new social media platform comes up, whether it's TikTok when Instagram first started, obviously Twitter was too long ago. Just go go get all the handles of people you know who are going to use that platform and just own them.
3: Yeah, I mean you can have a hell of a business and you just like sell those suckers off. Yeah, you dangle it. You could have this for like $10,000. It's like buying a jersey number when you get traded to another team you know off uh your new teammates i mean that's it's the same thing but yeah i missed the boat on that like an idiot too i had my company name and my twitter handle when i launched my account back in 2009 because i had no foresight
2: yeah n- not many people did like uh i mean shout out to pat mayo who works at like nbc green bay or something like that right he, just, you're right he had it before i did <laughs> yeah there was a soccer player that had
3: mine there's a, a a meteorologist too that has mine i think in the midwest somewhere there, so there, there, yeah. hold
2: on hold on there were two meteorologists in the midwest with the name brad evans no no there was a soccer player uh, there was okay. a, a meteorologist somewhere in the midwest that had
3: my handle as well and then there's some random i mean brad evans is like the, the lamest name like my first name is ellis if i was smart If I was an intelligent human being, I would have gone by Ellis Evans a long time ago. It just rolls off the tongue a
2: hell of a lot better than Brad Evans. I mean, you could have been, you could have been, you could have been double E on Twitter. Yeah. Easy E. I could have been a number of things. I mean, he's dead. I could have used his Twitter handle. Yeah. He's not using it at the moment. So you're good on that front. Aren't you basically a meteorologist?
3: I do have an advanced degree uh, in geoscience with an emphasis in meteorology from Mississippi State University.
2: Okay, so there there are like weather touts in DFS. I mean, that could be a lane you just completely come in and destroy. Uh, Yeah, I mean, if somebody wants to
3: put me on camera, I've played Weather Brad on Fantasy Football Live over the years, uh, rarely, but I'd live for those moments. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy the opportunity to spout about mid-latitude cyclones, Uh, gale force winds and a variety of other meteorological terms that nobody has any idea what i'm talking about
2: see that's the best part if you talk about the stuff that people don't know about you can never be wrong (laughs) i got the wrong profession i should have stayed
3: on that meteorology course then and this is a great thing about whatever profession that i chose whether it was in weather or whether it was in fantasy i can be wrong well over half
2: the time and still have a job Yeah. And people, that's always my favorite thing is when people are just like, you're wrong so often I should have your job. It's like, well, you can have my job go nuts. Uh, But uh, can you, can you do it though? Is the thing. No, it's all
3: about entertainment. It's all about versatility. That's what people don't understand about what we do for a living in the fantasy sports industry. It's like the most accurate people on fantasy pros, you know, that are the top five consistently every year you go to somebody who's a fantasy player. I would say seven out of 10 probably couldn't name one in the top
2: five. I don't know. I wonder if Sealy ended up in the top. Sealy's, I uh, just, usually there. He's, yeah, he's Sealy see, lurks. Yeah.
3: He, he, would be, he would be one of the people that, you know, somebody could possibly name, but others, they were just like, I don't know who that guy is. Oh, he's really good at uh, predicting week to week. Well, maybe I should follow him. But look, what sells in our space were entertainers. And, you know, we're, we're informed, we're well-researched, we present information in that way, but we do with our own individual twist. And that's I, why I, I
2: keep coming back for more. And our individual twist is just being wrong. That's just the shtick. <laughs> <laughs> that's correct. Uh, If you out there want to get into a draw for 20 DraftKings dollars, smash a like to the episode, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section, and tell me what sort of integration you would like to see gambling-wise or fantasy-wise into broadcast for sports. Just one. Maybe it's an easy one. Maybe it's a big one. I just want to hear what you have to say. And if you want to get into a draw for 100 DraftKings dollars, subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, leave a five-star review, DraftKings handle, something you like about this show not necessarily like miss this show, but like this show as a macro view of the show if you want to. You can do micro view too if you really want to. With the macro view of the Pat Mayo Experience, you'll be in a draw for 100 DraftKings dollars. Winners announced on Monday's show. That'll do it for me. Enjoy all the Super Bowl content we got coming out, and I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience! Experience! This is
1: the story of the one.